Hey bubs, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, the Wolverine Show. It's the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I am your host, Ryan. Today's episode, we are continuing our coverage of Hunt for Wolverine. This time, we are covering the final of four four-issue miniseries, this one called Hunt for Wolverine, Claws of a Killer, and then we are rounding out the Hunt for Wolverine event with the Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends one-shot. So as I've indicated on the previous couple episodes, Claws of a Killer, during my initial read of this event, this was probably my least favorite of the four minis. And upon my most recent reread, I don't think I ever actually finished reading this one when it was being published. I think I got about halfway through the second issue, had something come up and I had to put it down, and I just never picked it back up and I never even completed this four-issue miniseries. So it's safe to say that this one was my least favorite reading through initially. On my most recent reread that I was reading these all to get prepared for this uh, series of episodes, I was able to finish it. And, you know, it's actually a lot better than I remember it being, and it's much better than I gave it credit for. That being said, it is still my least favorite of the four minis, uh, but I do have a much higher opinion of it going forward. The artwork is uh, is definitely something that shines in this issue. Um, and as we get into the issues, you'll kind of see why I'm saying that. Um, and the writing isn't bad. Uh, that's not to say that I like the art and I don't like the writing. The writing isn't bad. Uh, it's actually a somewhat shallow miniseries it doesn't require a lot of character depth or story development to tell the story that is in these four issues uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing and the writer of this miniseries actually does a great job with the pacing and filling in the few story details that we do need in order to further it through so before i start jumping in let me cover the creative team for claws of a killer and then, of course, I'll cover the creative team for Dead Ends once we actually get to that issue um, after these four. So this four-issue miniseries, Claws of a Killer, was written by Mariko Tamaki. We have pencils on issues one through four by Butch Geis. And then we have additional pencils on issues two, three, and four from Mac chatter or chater for inks we have cam smith on issue one and then of course inks from mac uh, chater on two through four we have colors by dan brown issues one through three and then we have issues by jordan boyd on issue four and then of course all four were also lettered by vcs joe sabino so a little bit of change. It looks like some additional penciling and just some additional art help. Um, and I don't know if that was because of deadlines or if maybe it's because the style of artwork that's in here. Uh, they just needed additional assistance to kind of round out some of this artwork or, or whatever it happens to be. But all said and done, I actually enjoyed the artwork in, uh, in these four issues. So uh, I think that should do it. Uh, let's jump in to these issues. So the first three minis that we covered were Mystery in Madripoor, 
Adamantium Agenda, and Weapon Lost. And those were the three minis that covered the uh, missions that were given by Kitty Pride. So Kitty Pride, after Logan's body was discovered missing, uh, got in contact with both Tony Stark and Daredevil and kind of charged each of them with their own mission to try to find Wolverine's body. And then she led a mission herself of a team of other um, ex-women. And so those three missions were covered in the first three minis that we covered. And then in the Hunt for Wolverine one-shot at the end, when they were summing up and giving the previews of what these missions would be, we also found out that the Reavers got in contact with Lady Deathstrike. And so she kind of had her own mission outside of Kitty Pride and the X-Men and their allies. This was a completely separate mission that was actually like the villain mission. So these four issues cover... Uh, Lady Deathstrike's chapters in this Hunt for Wolverine event. Uh, the covers of the first two issues, again, done by Greg Land. The covers of the second two issues, done by Giuseppe Camoncoli. And I like them. I like the Greg Land covers, and I like the Camoncoli covers. They're both pretty good. Uh, the issue itself starts off in a town called Maybell, Arizona. It's a small town, population of only 343. It's somewhere in the desert as we see sand and we see mountains that, you know, don't have trees and stuff like that. There's like a random coyote running through the town. So we kind of get the idea that it's a, not necessarily an abandoned town, but it's a very small town. Of course, this doesn't take place in the present day. This is actually what's happening one week ago. In this town of Maybell, Arizona, is a truck stop with a cafe and inside the cafe we have the town locals and any visiting truckers that are passing through the area now they're having conversations just relatively benign stuff talking about sports scores and you know how hot the weather's been and that sort of stuff when suddenly the power goes out we're like only two pages in something's already happening the power goes out and a couple of people in the town at like the power station go to kind of check out, you know, what made the power go out. Cause it's, you know, it's a small town. They don't have, you know, electricity surges and that sort of stuff or, or weird outages in their power. So again, these two guys that are, you know, working for the power company, go out to the power station, try to figure out what's going on. They get there. It's kind of eerie and quiet. The doors are locked and all that, but they either work there themselves or they're, I don't, well, I don't know what, what other reason, uh, but one of them has a key to the building. So they unlock the door and they go inside and inside they find a man who looks just like Wolverine. He's got Wolverine claws and everything. And they find him in there and Wolverine just, I'm going to call him Wolverine at this point because we don't really know who it is, right? So Wolverine um, attacks these two guys, dispatches of them rather quickly and we see that inside this power station is this weird green kind of orb. I don't really have any other way to describe it. It looks just like a big giant green egg and it's glowing. Wolverine goes over. He clicks a little button on this device thing that this green egg is attached to. And this giant glow emanates from the building. You know, keep in mind that there's a blackout right now. So everything's pitch black in this small little town. And suddenly it's lit up bright green. There's just green light pouring out of all the windows and stuff in this building. And the light itself emanates not just from the building, but it like permeates the entire town. And it even the light itself like pours into this cafe where everyone in the town 
is hanging out. And then the scene changes. So we're not really told what's exactly going on. All we know is that a week ago, there was a small little town, there was a power outage, and someone who looks just exactly like Wolverine turned on this weird device and a green light shined throughout the whole town. Now we're taken to Manhattan, New York, Chester's Bar. And here we have a scene with Lady Deathstrike, Sabretooth, and a third character who is joining who's joining them like as the scene begins is Wolverine's I don't even know if you would say long lost son at this point but Wolverine's son Daken. So he sits down, he's beginning to have the conversation with Lady Deathstrike, Yuriko Oyama and Sabretooth Victor Creed and Yuriko tells him like something happened with your dad and he's like yeah no no duh he's dead. Lady Deathstrike says no, his body is gone. You know, and then she kind of gives Sabretooth and, and him the breakdown. I'm not working with the Reavers anymore, but apparently they had a mission. They went out to find his body. He wasn't there. They were all arrested by the X-Men and turned over to Alpha Flight. And one of them got away, called me, said the body's missing, and that's why I'm here. I summoned Victor, and I summoned you, so that we can go find Wolverine you know, for good. And Ken just asks, like, well, why would you, you know, what business do you have? What do you want to track my father down for? And they basically all decide, well, we all hate Logan, so if he is back from the dead, let's go put him back in the ground. That's the mission, right? So Lady Deathstrike, Sabretooth, and Ken, I don't think he ever got, a, like, a supervillain name. I can't think of it. I know that he was Dark Wolverine for a while, but he doesn't go by that anymore. I don't think he has a name. I, I'm like, I'm racking my brain here and I, I can't think if he ever had um, a supervillain name. But either way, the three of them decide, hey, you know what? Let's go find Wolverine. And if he is in fact still alive, we'll put him right back in the ground where he belongs because they all hate Wolverine. And so now that they've decided on their little mission, uh, the scene changes one more time. So now we travel back to Maybell, Arizona. Four days ago, now the population is zero. There is a somewhat shady, clandestine, you know, black ops looking team who have their faces covered, they're wearing suits, they're walking around, and they're saying like, yep, testing went according to plan, all 343 members of the population are uh, no longer alive, they've been terminated, you know, the initial test results were negative, and the findings were inconclusive, so it, it doesn't seem like maybe they didn't expect the whole town to, to die right away, uh, so there was clearly something going on with that, with that green light, and apparently finding the entire town dead um, was not what they had originally um, expected. And so uh, the military guy is kind of giving a report and um, he's interrupted and said, you know, proceed with next stage, kill team nine, report back. So we find out that this little group that's in here, they're called kill team nine. The scene changes again. We actually, this is where uh, Lady Deathstrike, Sabretooth, and can actually get together and, and agree to their plan to go find Wolverine and kill him, but it doesn't really matter. I don't really know why the scene had to change. They could have come to that conclusion the first time around, but oh well. So the scene changes. They all agree. Let's go get him. And then it changes one more time. Um, now it's the three of them, the three amigos in the car, and they appear to be in this town, Maybell, Arizona. And we find out the reason why they were able to track Logan, or at least what appears to be Logan at this point, how they're able to track him to this town is that the adamantium gives off like a specific signature if there's enough of it in any given area. 
And of course, because the adamantium bonding process was initially developed by a man named uh, Lord Darkwind, who happens to be Yuriko's father, uh, she knows how to track that particular signature. And so they lock on, they figure out, hey, Logan's signature says that he's in Arizona, and that's how they get from New York to Maybell, Arizona. They have like this little cheap rental car, and they roll into town and find it deserted. But not only do they find it deserted, one of them kind of keys into the fact that the town kind of has like a funky smell. It smells like, well, death. So they decide, all right, well, if Wolverine's here and he, you know, terminated the whole town, we should probably look for clues as to where he's going to go next. So the three of them kind of split up, uh, Deken being the not sullen teenager, but sullen young man versus, you know, the the tried and true experienced supervillains that Sabretooth and Lady Deathstrike are. He kind of goes off on his own. He's like, hey, if we're in town, this kind of sucks. We're at a bar, though, or at least a cafe. I'm going to go grab something to drink inside, and uh, I'll meet up with you guys later, I guess. So he heads into the cafe, and here's where things actually get interesting. He walks into the cafe, and he stumbles upon two of the men in, like, the black ops suits. And we find out, like, almost immediately that this is Soterra Kill Team 9. So again, there's that Soterra through line. He, of course, Deken hears this little transmission that's like, hey, you know, Kill Team 9, come in. And he's like, all right, well, if they're a Kill Team, I don't really need to ask any questions. He pops his claws. But before he can actually engage these uh, these Black Ops guys in combat, one of the bodies on the ground inside this cafe actually walks up. Well, not walks. It like kind of crawls up to him and bites him on the leg as he's distracted by this thing biting him on the leg the rest of the people in this cafe kind of get up and attack him and it looks like they're all zombies of course Deken, not one to uh, easily back down from a fight is like all right well hey if it's zombies it's zombies i'm popping the claws and i'm i'm going after these guys and that's exactly what he does we get a page or two of some combat between uh, Deken and zombies, which is always fun. Uh, I enjoy zombies and, uh, it's one of those things that you don't have to feel guilty about when you're watching the zombie violence. Cause you know, they're, they're zombies who cares. Uh, but he notices throughout the course of this fight that he's getting bit like pretty much left and right at this point. Um, and he's not healing. He's not healing from these weird zombie bites. Of course, once he realizes that he's not healing he also realizes that he's like getting exhausted which is not something that usually happens to him and because it takes him by surprise he is then overwhelmed by this group of zombies and the issue actually ends with like Deken on the ground with like a whole horde of zombies around him as uh, they get ready to dig in for supper so that's the first issue very simple very quick um, and it does exactly what it needs to do. Like this is a zombie comic. So you want to throw all the characters in here with the zombies as early as you can, because the draw of it is, you know, like I said, kind of, kind of the mindless zombie violence. Like we have these three characters who are known to be very vicious and who can hack their enemies 
and uh, you know what better enemies to have him go up against than an entire town of hundreds of zombies. Again, we are taken to Maybell, Arizona in the past at the beginning of issue two. This time we actually see like a birthday party for it looks like a guy who was possibly just retired. Maybe it's not even a birthday party, but a retirement party um, that's being held in the residence, you know, one of the residences here in this town, right when the green, you know, when the power goes off and the green light clicks on. Like, obviously, at this point, these people didn't realize the power was out because there's a a cake, whether it's a retirement or a birthday cake, I don't know, but there's candles and stuff. So we presume that they already turned the lights out, which is why they're not at all shocked that the lights have suddenly gone off. But then the green light comes on, and that's when things get kind of weird. We find out that it only takes a few days for these people to become zombified, about five days really, from the uh, green light flashing to when these people are like fully zombified. And then of course we flash to the present. We last left off with Taken being attacked and overwhelmed by a horde of zombies. And that's pretty much where we are now. He's laying there, like, you know, getting snacked on by what we can assume are, the, you know, the undead. And he looks over and the the kill team guys, the black ops team, they're just kind of standing there watching it happen. And he's like, what are you guys looking at? Like, are you going to get in here and help? And um, they're like, well, you know, maybe. And they kind of play with uh, with Dekan a little bit and kind of wait until it's almost too late. Then they decide to dispatch of the zombies and we're not sure if that's because they're going to uh, leave Deken there or if they're going to try to take him prisoner. But they do decide that the zombies themselves are expendable and so they get rid of them. Finally, we're taken to Lady Deathstrike and Sabretooth and what was going on with them. So while this whole stuff is happening with Deken and the zombies in this weird truck stop cafe, Sabretooth and Lady Deathstrike find themselves like walking down the main street of the town in this weird, deserted, death-smelling little desert town. But they don't really care. They're there for one thing, and that thing is Logan. So they're following this little scanner that Lady Deathstrike has that can actually pinpoint into the... I don't know what she says it is. It's some sort of, like, energy output or something along those lines. Radiation, perhaps, of the uh, concentrated adamantium. And that leads them through this main street into like a residential street. They eventually decide to split up. Uh, Lady Deathstrike stays in like the town street um, and Sabretooth continues on down the like residential path. And eventually they both kind of find themselves looking into windows. Lady Deathstrike's like looking into the window of like what appears to just be like an abandoned boutique or just a little shop that you would find on a main street in a little desert town. You know, maybe it sells knickknacks or whatever. So she's looking in the window. Sabretooth, on the mean, you know, in the meantime, has uh, used his keen sense of smell to kind of key in on where the scent of death was like the most strongest. And it led him to this random house. So he walks up to this house and he's like in the front yard and he's looking into the, like the living room window of this house. As he's looking through the window, a zombie dude, breaks through we find out that it's the guy who the party was for uh you know mr retiree uh, he's now a zombie he breaks through the window and attacks Sabretooth. and simultaneously in town a zombie breaks through the window of wherever it is that lady deathstrike is looking through and so now we have all three of our 
well, not heroes, but all three of our uh, main characters have now been attacked by these weird zombies. Of course, Sabretooth and Lady Deathstrike, again, being so much more experienced than De Ken, uh, are actually able to, you know, not get overwhelmed by these zombies. They, they, despite the fact that they have healing factors, they're just much better fighters and they don't just let themselves get bit left and right, even though they're in the middle of a fight. Like, it doesn't matter if they do, but they just don't. They're just better fighters. That being said, Sabretooth does still get bit on the hand because we have to have some sort of stakes, right? Deken's been bitten. We need someone else to get bitten. So now Sabretooth's bitten anyway, even though one old zombie guy shouldn't really be enough to take him out. And at first it wasn't, but either way, it does slow him down enough that a couple other zombies from various residences are now starting to pour out while he's laying there kind of shocked that like, what the heck, these zombies knocked me down. One of them bit my hand. Um, another one gets close enough to like lunge at him and bite Sabretooth again. Uh, and this time Sabretooth is actually saved by Lady Deathstrike. She was smart enough and also a good fighter. She didn't get distracted by the fact that she was fighting zombies. She was able to fight hers off and then uh, go to Sabretooth's aid. So she gets him up and the two of them are just running. They're just booking it out of this residential area, down a different street. Eventually they kind of find themselves um, like at this kind of warehouse type deal. And unfortunately for them, uh, before they can like get into another building or take cover anywhere, like a random car on the street just explodes. The scene changes. We're then taken nearby and it's the power plant where that green orb thing has been glowing. It's still glowing. It's still set up. It's right there. And we see that now Deken is there and he's actually like tied up and is being held captive. We hear the Black Ops team of people on the phone. They're talking to their bosses at Soterra and they're like, hey, um, so here's something weird. You know Wolverine's son, Deken? He just randomly showed up in town and, uh, well, we've taken him prisoner. In the meantime, Deken's like, you know what? I don't really don't like being tied up. Luckily for them, they don't seem to realize that not only do I have two claws that come out of the back of my hand like Laura, but I also have one that comes out of like my, my forearm right below my wrist on the bottom side. And so they had actually tied his wrists together to keep him from escaping and he just pops his lower claws and uh, he's able to actually get out of these ties while he's kind of getting free we see through the window in this little warehouse thing in the power station this big giant explosion off in the distance which i'm assuming is the car explosion that uh, knocked Sabretooth and lady deathstrike down and of course then the scene changes and we get to see them again and they get up and they run away Sabretooth thinks it's weird that he hasn't uh, healed yet from his bite same with Deken and he's like you know what I'm getting the heck out of this town I'm running back to the car if you don't keep up with me Yuriko you know that's your own fault but I'm I'm getting to the car and I'm getting the heck out of here and she's like fine let's go but before they can get out of the town of course there's you know another horde of zombies presumably that's been attracted by this big explosion and so it actually gets in between them and their destination which is their car that they drove into town in so they actually have to seek refuge at a different gas station or perhaps it's the same gas station that the cafe was at but either way they have to run in and the two of them like take refuge in this weird gas station 
We're then taken back to where Dekin is being held captive. He had used his claws to, you know, break the bindings and escape. And so now he's being engaged in combat by these uh, the members of Kill Team 9. One of them's got like a samurai sword. The other one's got just like a big massive machine gun. Eventually, Dekin is able to kind of get the upper hand with them in combat and he just like jumps out the window he's like to heck with this i'm not sticking around to figure out what's going on and he just jumps through the window and the issue the issue ends so a lot of action again not really a whole lot of story we do get the fact that uh, sotera very much knows who wolverine is and think it's kind of weird that deken's son just showed up in town although is it really that weird because technically something or someone Possibly even Logan himself is the one that pushed the button on this weird green zombifying device anyway. So, you know, in hindsight, really not that weird. But they kind of play it off as like this team is like, whoa, why is Wolverine's son here? That's weird. So the third issue begins where the second one left off. We last saw Ken falling out of this, uh, well, he jumped out of a window and he fell down onto like the ground from like three stories up. So it starts with him laying there, kind of groaning um, as he finally starts healing. And he hears the sounds of zombies, you know. So he looks up and he sees, yep, it, it is in fact town zombies are, you know, walking towards him. So he he hasn't healed all the way, um, but he's healed enough where he can at least get up and kind of fight them off until he's able to get some more energy back. Uh, And he does that, he fights a couple of them off, and then by then he's healed enough that he can kind of run away. And that's exactly what he does. He just runs away the opposite direction of the zombies, and he heads up into town. And as he's running through town, he sees this gas station where there's this other group of zombies that are outside this gas station, kind of like banging on this um, door that had come down, like a garage door type deal. And so he's smart enough, he kind of puts two and two together, He's like, well, if the zombies are trying to break into there, that must have been because they chased Sabretooth and Lady Deathstrike in there. So, Taken climbs up on top of the building. Apparently, it's a really crappy roof because he gets up there and he's only up there for a few brief moments when, like, the roof caves in. Of course, at least that means that he's now reunited with Lady Deathstrike and Sabretooth. So, the three of them can team up and give him all slightly a little bit better chance of escaping this zombie horde this zombie attack they decide to regroup and kind of talk out their plan of how they're going to escape if they found wolverine where they're going to look for him next that sort of thing Deken's able to fill in victor and eureko that like hey i went to that cafe i was taken prisoner by these weird guys Um, apparently they have wolverine or something and uh, then they took me prisoner and there was this weird like green device that is probably what caused all these zombies in the first place so you know we should probably go destroy it we'll start there you know in our search for next clues or whatever as they're finalizing their plans the zombies kind of start breaking through the door and they're like all right cool well our time here is limited so let's let's firm up our plans Deken says you know this is the building where we're headed when we get out if we get separated just head towards that building and we'll all meet up again then in the meantime, that kill team that was there have kind of followed Deken and the trail of zombies, and now they also know that Deken, Lady Deathstrike, and Sabretooth are kind of holed up in this building, 
and they just like open fire. That's not really enough to stop Taken, Sabretooth, and Lady Deathstrike, and eventually the two like opposing sides meet on this weird battlefield that's also like got this third group of zombies. It's like the Battle of Three Armies where you have like the the clawed killers, the zombies, and the kill team, like all kinda vying for each other here. Eventually Lady Deathstrike is like fighting this soldier guy and he pulls this sword and they like get they engage each other in combat and whatnot but then eventually she like knocks the sword out of his hand and she goes to fight him and she realizes that it's her father who like has been dead for a long time as far as i know i don't know if he's come back in the comics since his like initial death way in the pages of like i think daredevil like way back when but it's enough where she sees him and like it throws her off guard and so he's able to impale her with his sword and kind of knock her down but before he's able to administer a final blow he's stopped by Taken. in the meanwhile we see Sabretooth and he's now fighting with a soldier as well and weirdly enough that soldier's face covering comes down in the course of the battle and Sabretooth recognizes him as Grading Creed, who is his like long-lost son. Um, Grading Creed also someone who should be dead. I believe that Grading Creed was like killed off in the comics way back in the '90s uh, when he was like a senatorial or even a presidential candidate, and then I think he was brought back sometime during like Necrotia and was like a pretty prominent villain again in the aftermath of like messiah complex for a little while like in the pages of the wolverine led x-force but i can't remember exactly that whole story but i thought he was he was dead again um and so seeing him here alive is another one of those things where it's like what this guy should be dead but he's not like a zombie he's alive and talking and all that kind of stuff of course because Sabretooth is busy talking with Graydon or trying to figure out what's going on with that whole thing Lord Darkwind that's Yuriko's father is uh, able to get the upper hand on Dekan and ends up impaling him on the sword too by that point Sabretooth has kind of come to his senses and come to the aid of Dekan he runs over and he like picks him up and they run around this uh, semi-truck and they're kind of sitting on the other side you have Graydon Creed and like Lord Darkwind um, kind of following after them. Weirdly enough, I mean, we've already seen that the healing factors aren't working, but by this point, like it's enough that uh, Taken has actually been injured enough that he actually like succumbs to his injury and he died alone. Like, well, not alone, like Sabretooth is there, but like he's not with loved ones or anything. He just kind of dies at the hands of these zombies. One other weird thing, though, despite the fact that like Lord Darkwind and Great and Creed are able to talk and they were able to have like regular conversations, it seems, back when they had Deken kept prisoner, now that they're on the battlefield, they just, both of them just keep repeating the same thing, which is like clean sweep and T minus 10 minutes. So, uh, you kind of get the feeling that maybe they are alive, but they're only alive so much that they can perform like duties that they've been programmed to perform. Um, at least that's kind of my take from it. Uh, but that ends the third issue, takes us to the uh, concluding issue of this miniseries, Claws of a Killer number four. And it starts off, you know, Deken has just died 
we're assuming at this point that Lady Deathstrike died as well, since she, you know, suffered wounds from the zombies and was also impaled by her father. So at this point, we have Sabretooth alive, fighting against Great and Creed, fighting against Lord Darkwind, who are humans who are very much alive, but also seem to be programmed and they just keep repeating the same thing. Uh, it's enough where it keeps Sabretooth off guard to the point where Graydon Creed is like able to uh, to kind of knock him down. Luckily, we're then taken to Lady Deathstrike and we see that she's about to get, I guess, eaten by a zombie, but that's enough that she wakes up and she fights back against the zombie. And then she goes up to her father again and she's like, hey, I now I get why the the scouter thing led us here. The adamantium, the like weird signature I was reading, that was you. That wasn't Wolverine. That's that's why we were here. I was tracking you the whole time. You're alive. Like, what's going on? And this whole time she's just yelling at him. He's just standing there silent. And then he grabs her by the throat and like throws her through a, a window of like a shop that's nearby. And he's not saying anything to her this whole time. She just keeps asking him like, what is going on? Why did you let Wolverine take your take our power and all this stuff and and like all this weird stuff she's asking him about his legacy and about wolverine and all this kind of stuff and he keeps repeating the same thing you know now we're we're less than uh, than 10 minutes now it's you know clean sweep in t minus seven minutes and he also keeps repeating this other phrase to her which is just you will be useful which is also what great and creed was saying to Sabretooth and all this kind of weird stuff uh they're still kind of fighting now and she gets her claws out and she's about to strike a blow on her father but he actually like cuts her hand off with his sword and everything and then so she like retaliates and uh, impales him on her claws she runs out of there she's running away she spots victor fighting great and creed so she runs over and she does the same thing to uh to Graydon that she did to her father and so Sabretooth is able to to get up and they start running away. Lady Deathstrike's like, hey, where's Daken? And Sabretooth's like, he's dead. And he's like, hey, who was that guy you were fighting with? And she's like, my father. He said, oh, that makes sense because I was fighting with my son. She says, it was my father's adamantium that led us here. It's Eventually, they kind of fight their way through the zombies. They fight their way to the building that Daken told them about. They are able to destroy this weird green device thing. And then they're able to, like, get out of town as these helicopters come flying in. So they've destroyed the green thing. Taken is dead. They get back to their car and, like, get out, get out of town as these helicopters are kind of coming in. And we find out that it's the, it's the clean sweep team from Soterra. They have a new asset that they acquired, which is... Daken and they uh the Sabretooth and Deathstrike have left town and so we're taken to a new scene which just says somewhere else in Arizona and again it's like another little diner and uh there's this guy that's uh like he's run into the diner to grab his food and he's left his car outside and Sabretooth and uh Lady Deathstrike just steal the car and drive away and they're like, where to now? And they, they just both kind of decide, like, eh, we'll just go wherever, you know. it's We thought we were chasing down Wolverine. We weren't, so we'll just leave it at that. And then we're taken back to Maybell, Arizona one last time. And all we see here is the Soterra team. They've recovered to Ken's body, and they've loaded it onto, like, a cargo plane. And they're going to get out of town. 
And we're just given the whole sentence here, you know, to be concluded in Hunt for Wolverine, Dead Ends. So that is Claws of a Killer. Like I said, there's not really a whole lot of character development or story that's needed. There are a, cool, a couple of cool little mysteries there with like why Lord Darkwind and why Great and Creed are back from the dead. Why Logan was there in the first place. Um, and otherwise, you know, we have those questions answered. They did kill off to Ken, so there was some stuff going on. But otherwise, it was just like these vicious mutants killing zombies. Like, and that's pretty much all that it was. So for what the story is, it's a quick four issues. And the writing was fine. Uh, the dialogue was all somewhat natural and everything. So not as bad as I remember it being. But uh, as you can see, it's my least favorite of the four. Um, it's worth checking out just for the artwork. Um, it's not the most beautiful artwork or anything like that. It is a little on the grittier side. But that actually works for these characters. You know, Sabretooth, Ken, Lady Deathstrike. You don't need that crisp superhero, you know, beautiful artwork that you got from like R.B. Silva in Adamantium Agenda, for example. You, the, the whole grittier kind of, you know, not necessarily ultra violent, but just the, the grittier, a little bit more violent um, artwork actually works really well for this particular mini. So um, if you're a fan of zombie stuff and if you like Sabretooth or, or Lady Deathstrike or Dekan, it's definitely worth reading, but not really necessary. The weakest of the four, in, in my opinion. So that takes us into Hunt for Wolverine. So these four miniseries that we covered were kind of bookended by these two one-shots, the Hunt for Wolverine one-shot that kicked off the whole event, and then Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends, which closes out this particular event and leads us into the next you know, five-issue event, which is the actual return of Wolverine, which of course I will be covering next week. But Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends was written by Charles Soule. It features artwork from Ramon Rosanis, colors from Guru FX, and letters from VC's Joe Sabino. So the whole point of this little bookend here was to kind of wrap up the few weird plot threads that uh, kind of tied the four minis together. There were four separate missions, but so far all four of these missions led to Soterra. Um, obviously, Kitty Pride didn't really know that Deathstrike and Sabretooth were going on their own mission, but even their mission uh, tied in with all the others. And so far, we know that there is an organization out there called Soterra. They're gathering information about mutant genetics. They're gathering information about Wolverine. They have like a space program. There's something up in space where they're sending rockets up there. And uh, that's pretty much it. So Dead Ends is this one little bookend here that kind of ties all of those plot points together. It starts off following this random like teenage mutant around in Spain, and then it takes us to New York City. At this point, we're following Tony Stark and Daredevil as they make their way to the X-Mansion, which is called, at this point in the comics, the Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach, and it's like in the middle of Central Park. Um, either way, Tony and Daredevil arrive there, and they're coming to give like a mission briefing to Kitty Pride, um, who at this point in the comics is like the leader of the X-Men. So they arrive, Kitty 
brings him into the X-Mansion and she's like, hey, I'm glad you're here. We have a lot to talk about. First thing she does is she kind of opens a little door and in this little random room that just has like some comfy chairs in front of a fireplace, we see British Betsy. If you remember, Betsy kind of got her original body back in a way um, in the Mystery in Madripoor miniseries. And so we kind of see, okay, so that's still has, you know, that's a lasting effect. Here's Betsy. Kitty kind of fills Tony and, and Matt in on uh, like, yeah, she got her original body back. She's kind of adjusting, you know, at her own pace, but we'll just, we'll leave her alone. I've got information to share. You both have information to share. So they go into like one of the auditoriums that's used for lectures because, you know, this, this is a school. And so they have, you know, classrooms and stuff. So she takes the two guys in and she kind of walks them through like the four kind of through lines, right? So her mission was like Soterra's space mission. Um, Tony's mission eventually let them know that Soterra is getting mutant genetic information. She calls and she's like, also, Soterra turned a whole town in Arizona into zombies. Tony, of course, asks like, well, how do you know that? And she says, well, Sabretooth called and told me after the fact. She's like, he's kind of good, kind of bad right now. We're not really sure where he stands, but... He at least thought that the X-Men should know that there's a whole town of zombies in Arizona and uh, that Deken is dead and that they're looking for Wolverine. And then, of course, lastly, they get the whole thing where Daredevil found that recording from the Chicago branch of Soterra. It was those weird interviews that they were doing with who appeared to be Logan. So she really just gives them like a breakdown of all of those four series and just kind of ties everything together i don't actually need to go into detail specifically about what she says just because we've already gone through all four of the minis Um, ultimately it's decided that uh, all of this information leads to the fact that soterra has wolverine and it's being led by a person named Persephone and as they're sitting here going through this like mission briefing debriefing kind of thing right when they get to the part where Kitty reveals that so far they've been able to find out that this Soterra organization is headed by a person named Persephone Daredevil kind of like you know jumps in and he's like hey I don't mean to interrupt here but um something is falling from very high up, I can hear it, and it's falling, like, directly at the mansion. And so Kitty's like, oh, crap, all right, well, you know, we'll we'll pick this up in a minute. Let's go be superheroes. And we actually find out that, like, from low orbit, there's at least four different, like, projectiles. I, guess, I mean, they're not really projectiles because there's nothing that propels them. Uh, but it's just these, like, four big objects, and they're flying on a trajectory that will take them directly onto the x-mansion like these four things will collide exactly where the x-mansion is so kitty puts out like you know hey all hands on deck all the x-men get the students out of here kurt teleports them you know nightcrawler he comes in he teleports all the students out um kitty sends the flyers out into the sky which right now pretty much all the flyers are gone so tony's like no problem i'll get in my suit i'll fly up there and the one x-man that they have on hand who can fly up that's firestar and of course storm uh the three of them kind of go up into the sky to like slow these things down or stop in the meantime 
Daredevil helps Kitty and Nightcrawler like locate all the mutant students in the school so that they're able to get them to safety. Storm, Tony, and Firestar are each able to like take out one of the projectiles or one of these these weird things and like kind of cause them to like detonate high enough and far enough away that uh, you know the debris that falls that eventually gets to the surface doesn't really have any kind of lasting effect especially not on the school but there is one last projectile left and um, this part is awesome so we've seen kitty do some pretty amazing things in the comics and even though i grew up in an era where kitty wasn't the teenage member of the x-men so i didn't grow up with a crush on kitty um, and it took me a couple years before i really kind of appreciated kitty as an x-man um, over the last few years, especially, whoever the writers, the various writers are that have worked on the books, they've really elevated Kitty into that role that uh, that Chris Claremont basically had in mind for her when he first uh, introduced her way back in the Dark Phoenix saga, which is to be, you know, one, an extremely powerful mutant, uh, an extremely brilliant person, and like an amazing leader and someone who's also very selfless and who always has like one last plan um, to save everyone. And we've, we see that in this moment too, which this is, this is awesome. This is like on above everything that Kitty's ever done. Even when she phased that entire bullet through the planet back in uh, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men run, this time she basically uses her power to phase like all of Central Park, all of the Earth beneath the Central Park, all the way to like the planet's core. So she phases everything. So when this projectile hits the ground, instead of exploding, it just, the, the ground is phased, right? So it just goes right through the ground, all the way down into the planet's core, this projectile thing goes. They're like, why didn't you just do that for all of them? And she's like, well, if they didn't hit at the same time, you know, I'd there's only so much I can do. And so they're all gathered around to like congratulate, like, all right, cool, crisis averted. We stopped the four projectiles. And that's kind of when Daredevil's like, um, so I'm hearing something else. There's actually a guy behind the mansion and um, I'm sensing like bodies laying on the ground, but I'm not getting like any heartbeats. And so of course, Kitty and uh, Nightcrawler is there with her, Daredevil, Firestar, Storm, and Iron Man like immediately go to the back of the mansion to where this person is that they're hearing. And there's just like this random bald guy wearing like this really fancy like white tuxedo type thing with like a little red bow tie and all that. And basically he's like, sorry about that, uh, you know, disturbance. I needed a distraction so that I can get this thing here. My mistress who I work for is, you know, she's a bit heavy handed and she likes theatricality. And then from this device, which is like sitting in the middle of the circle of bodies that are covered with like this weird sheet that uh, Daredevil said that he didn't get any heartbeats from. Um, from this device thing in the middle, like this hologram appears and it appears to be a woman. She's doesn't really, her face isn't shown instead of like where her face would be. It's like a 3d version of like the Soterra logo that we've seen thus far, which is like three circles and this weird like swoosh type deal um either way it says hello i'm persephone 
And then, um, you know, she kind of introduces herself, Iron Man, Daredevil, and a bevy of X-Men. It is an honor. And and Iron Man's like, oh man, I hate when the bad guys try to be charming and all that. Anyway, so she just kind of powers through. She introduces herself to the heroes. First, she actually thanks the heroes for having saved the world so many times. Um, And then she's like, I'm here to answer all of your questions. Um, she's like, I know that you have a lot of them. And, and the short answer is I have Logan. He's doing good work. And, you know, yes, I'm the one who's behind everything else that, uh, that you've discovered on your various missions. So then she kind of says, before I answer any of your questions, let me introduce our friends here that are like laying on the ground. And she introduces the uh, assorted heroes, she says, you know, this is Antonio Fernandez, 16 years old, a student from Barcelona. He's very special. They're all special. She's like, each and every one of these people is a mutant. And she goes, here's the deal, though. Like, they're, they're all mutants. None of their powers had manifested yet, though. So you wouldn't have found them because you don't find mutants until their powers manifest. But these were all people that we know to have been mutants and um, she basically says the genetic database that she stole from Sinister actually not only had all of the genetic information of all the mutants whose powers had manifested, but it basically had, since it had the genetic information of every living person on the planet, it would indicate whether or not those people had X genes. And so that's how they were able to locate them. And then she goes on to say, I know you want answers and closure. You want to catch your villains, but here's the deal. She goes, stop looking for me or else these 10 people who are laying on the ground dead at your feet will not be the last. And then like her hologram just dies out. And then the man who had brought these bodies and this device, he crumples to the floor as well. And Daredevil remarks, you know, no heartbeat. His heartbeat ended the minute Persephone ended her signal. So here they are, these these dead future mutants, this dead messenger, and a warning from the person who admits that she's behind the abduction of Wolverine and all of this various stuff. And what she says is, if you try to find us, we'll kill more mutants. And uh, like it, it, it basically ends, you know, Iron Man's like, no big deal. You know, you guys have a machine that can detect all the mutants. It'll take some time, but we'll gather up all the mutants on Earth and we'll protect them. And then we can try to find Logan. And and Storm is like, no, you know, our devices only trigger at the like manifestation of mutant powers. We can't find these people until their their talents are known, until their mutant powers manifest. And Tony's like, all right, well, there's got to be something else we can do some other way. And Kitty, the leader of the X-Men at this point, just kind of hangs her head and she's like we can't we can't risk you know the lives of innocent people on these future mutants we just we can't do it we have to do what she says we have to stop looking and so now we're taken to wherever this persephone person is and she kind of sums it up she says you know well i think that went well and she's like taking off her weird costume thing that she was using and you know we hear the sound effects in the background like this snick snick and um, she's kind of talking to him like, I hope that your friends get the message, but, you know, it's under, I understand, but it is what it needs to be. You know, don't worry, Logan, this will all be over soon. And it says to be continued in return of Wolverine number one. 
So next week we will pick up and we will cover the five issue miniseries Return of Wolverine by Charles Soule, Steve McNiven, and Declan Shalvey. Uh, in the meantime, that wraps up the hunt for Wolverine. He, the very last panel that says, you know, to be continued, it's actually got Wolverine and he's like strung up. He's got ropes, these like glowing energy rope things tied around his hands and legs. So he's like suspended in, in midair with these ropes and he's like, you know, making the X shape with his body and he's got his claws popped and they appear to be glowing like reddish orange as well. Um, so hopefully they'll answer that um, in the... Uh, return of wolverine miniseries that we'll cover next week as well but but that ends uh hunt for wolverine so now we know where wolverine is he is in the the possession of this woman named persephone who is in charge of an organization called soterra so bubs i hope that uh, you've enjoyed the hunt for wolverine so far Like I said, next week we are going to cover the return of Wolverine. And uh, from there, I'm not really quite sure where we're going to go. I think I will be taking at least a week off, maybe two weeks, until um, I determine the next topic and uh, what issues I want to cover from there. As of the time that I recorded this particular episode, uh, that was Monday, April 12th. You all should be hearing this if you're listening to it on release day on Wednesday, April 14th. Um, In the meantime... Um, In between last episode and this episode that you're listening to, I appeared as a guest host on the Marvel Plus podcast hosted by my friend Brett Scott. So make sure to go check out that episode and hear Brett and I talk about the most recent episode that would be at the time of this recording episode four of the Disney Plus series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So go check that out. It's been a great podcast so far, not just because I guest appeared on one episode, but uh, Brett has lined up some excellent guests since he started this show, um, and he's just continued on that great tradition. He's an excellent host. He does these really fantastic breakdowns of the episode, and then he and his host provide some really great commentary on, uh, on the issues and everything like that that we're in that particular episode. So make sure you go check out Marvel plus podcast by Brett Scott. Also, another thing is I am cooking up an expansion of talking snicked. Um, there's something that I'm considering doing. If you follow me on Instagram, then you'll kind of have an inkling as far as what that will be, but I am looking to expand and add a new segment to talking snicked only not really like a segment that's going to appear on our Wolverine Wednesday episodes, Uh, but a completely, uh, really just a completely brand new show uh, that's also going to be on the same feed, really. So just look for something. I am planning a new segment, new show that will be a Saturday morning released show. Um, Right now, my tentative goal is to have that first episode on Saturday, May 1st, and then just new episodes every Saturday thereafter. It's not a replacement for Talking Snick. It's something in addition to this particular show that I do um, and that will be available on this same feed. So watch for something new coming your way starting Saturday, May 1st. So Bubs, that covers this episode. If you like the show and want to continue the conversation, you can find me on Instagram at Talking Snicked or you can send me an email 
talksnicked at gmail.com. T-A-L-K-S-N-I-K-T at gmail.com. Um, reach out to me. You can give me feedback on the show, ideas for topics, requests for particular topics, episodes, what have you. Just talking about Wolverine or X-Men in general. Um, I'm here for all of that stuff. So again, Instagram at TalkinSnicked or email TalkSnicked at gmail.com. Make sure you check out the musician known as Retcon X. Check out his Spotify playlist, his YouTube videos if they're still up. He is the musician who wrote the song that you will hear at the very end of this episode, a song called Back from the Dead. But he is a musician who creates music inspired by the X-Men. He's got a couple of LPs out there on Spotify, so definitely go check them out. They're worth listening to. They're, you know, short 30, 35 minutes per LP. So uh, go check it out. Just great stuff. Until next time, bubs. (laughs) 